family for coming up and sharing what they shared. I was telling Adam that uh, it was like I sent them my message or they sent it to me, one of the two. And uh, so the title of my message this morning is Ditto. No, it's not. It is the peace of Christ. Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, John chapter 14, and we're only going to be looking at one verse, verse 27. John chapter 14, verse 27. And John writes in his gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in relationship to Jesus speaking to his disciples when Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. This Advent season we celebrate, obviously, the theme of peace. And as you recall, last week I preached on the theme of joy. And within that theme, I talked about how we all desire to have that deep-seated inner peace within our souls. Even though we're surrounded by a world that seems anything but that. Now, this has been the state of the world since sin entered into the world. And the reason why there is chaos in the world is because of the sin of man. Not only were we cursed, but the world was cursed. And so we shouldn't be surprised that we live in a very uncertain world, a very unstable world, and a world at times seems extremely hostile. Within our scripture this morning, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Is speaking to his disciples. Helps when you turn it on. And they are troubled in spirit in the context of this verse because Jesus is telling them things that are going to be transpiring in the near future. The first one he told them was, he told them of one of the 12 that's going to betray him. Imagine how they felt when they heard that. Who's going to betray Jesus? Who is it? Then he also told Peter of his incoming denial. How do you think Peter felt about that? No, Lord, I'll die for you. No, Peter, you will deny me. He also talked about the manner in which he was going to die, that he was going to be lifted up. How do you think the disciples responded to that? What do you mean you're going to have to die? What do you mean you have to be crucified? And then, of course, he also told them, hey, I must also go away. Now imagine how they felt after being with him for two years that Jesus was now leaving. And so what they were hearing after two years of ministry and, and dropping everything that they gave to follow Jesus, to learn from Jesus, what he was saying was pretty bleak. It wasn't a very encouraging message. The world, as the disciples knew it, was about to change and change radically. I don't know if they were people who cared for homeostasis where they don't like their environments changing. I know I'm that way on a grand scale, so you can about imagine what they were feeling. Their future was uncertain. What were they going to do if Jesus left? And their hearts and their faith were in the Lord, but they were filled with despair. 
And so our Lord speaks to them encouragement, but also one of assurance within this verse. Now, before I begin to examine this one scripture, I want to ask you this morning, what is Jesus going to be saying to you this morning in this verse? What are you going to glean from this message? What is the Holy Spirit going to share with you in relationship to what we're going to talk about? You know, it's my hope that I, that you will hear what the disciples heard when they first heard it. For Christ's message for the disciples is as much for them as it is for us. Don't ever look at the disciples and say, well, that's Jesus talking to the disciples. No, He's talking to us as well. So let us begin by examining exactly, by breaking apart verse 27 and understand its full meaning. First, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Now, within the context of this verse, Jesus is expressing a Jewish sentiment of departure when He says, Peace I leave with you. That was a traditional statement that you would say when you left the company of one unto another. And so Jesus could have just stopped right there, but He didn't. He added something to it. It's the second part. And it's the second part that I want to focus on this morning in part with this message, and that is, my peace I give you. My peace I give you. Now, what exactly does that mean? What does it entail? And why did Jesus say that? In Isaiah 9-6, the prophet calls Jesus the Prince of Peace. Now, in a worldly sense, many took this as the Savior who will bring peace to the earth and end all conflict and turmoil and reestablish the kingdom of David. Although, though, in the end, that's exactly what the Prince of Peace will do, but he'll do it by a sword. But at this point, he's talking about a spiritual, a spiritual change and shift in this world. In fact, the definition of the peace that Jesus uses is one of assurance and salvation. In fact, uh, Tyson, uh, in part, gave that definition during his Advent theme this morning. And it's here's the definition for the peace that Jesus used. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. And so within these two, within this definition, we see two assurances that are present. And the first assurance is that of salvation. You know, Adam spoke about this this morning in his Advent theme. Since the fall of man, we have been cursed by sin. Man is born into it. Man is controlled by it. Man desires to live by it because there's enjoyment in it, and as a result, man's relationship with the Father was seared, and there was enmity between man and God. Now, when I say man, I mean mankind. There was enmity towards God. Enmity means hatred. As Adam said, we warred against God. We don't see it that way when we're unsaved. We don't see it that way, but living in our sin and absence of salvation shows hatred towards God. And the only saving grace for man 
is God's love and the peace that can only come by way of his son in believing in him. When Christ was sacrificed on the cross, he did several things, some of which Adam spoke about. First, he was the perfect sacrifice as called for by the law. In the Old Testament, they would have sacrifices for the atonement of sin. And the high priest would go into the holies of holies and sprinkle blood upon the altar for the atonement of his sin and also of his people. And because Jesus was without sin, being born of the Virgin Mary, satisfied the law with his own shed blood. And we find in Hebrews where it says, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shed blood. And Christ shed his blood. It was sinless blood. It was perfect. And as a result, Christ atoned for our sin by substituting himself for us. Because our sin deserved judgment. Our sin deserved God's wrath. Our sin deserved God's punishment. But because of Christ going to the cross, we are now justified in Christ, being made righteous through Him. I spoke about this last week in joy. He imputed His righteousness to us, so now we have the righteousness of God. What does that mean for us? That means we are now presented faultless before the Father with exceeding joy. That means that we can be righteous in Christ, even though we still deal with the old nature of sin. Because God sees us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and His righteousness. But He also reconciled us. Because of sin, we were separated from God. We didn't have a relationship with God. Oh, you can know God. You can know who He is. You know what He does. You can probably read His Word. But you have no relationship with Him. You have no reconciliation with Him. It's like knowing a person, but not knowing them as I spoke last week. And when Christ died on the cross, He reconciled us back to the Father so that we could have that relationship that Adam and Eve had. And we have it through Him. A perfect relationship. Think of that. You can now approach the throne of grace at any time, at any need, and speak to your Father in heaven. Because there's no separation between you and Him. And so we have that peace. We have that peace of salvation because of the works of the cross that Jesus did. And because I believe it was what Kim says. And now we have the Holy Spirit within us. When we believe upon Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters us and fills us fully and completely. Doesn't mean we're already under the control of the Holy Spirit because that's the work of sanctification, but we are filled. And because of that, we receive the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that which the Lord wants to work out of you. Love, joy, peace. And we can only have that because of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so now, because of the works of the cross, we can take heart as to what Paul said in Ephesians. For he himself is our peace. It's a positional statement. He's my peace. 
I don't have to seek it anywhere else. I don't need it anywhere else. You know, when I was first saved, I didn't know the works of the cross. I didn't know those things. I didn't understand any of that. I couldn't explain to what happened or why it happened. I just couldn't. I didn't know. But what I did know is there was an internal conflict that raged within my whole life. And it produced desires that I didn't like. It produced thoughts I didn't care for. It produced anxiety. And it produced a great many troubles. It produced sin in my life. But when I prayed, and when I received God, when I received Christ, and confessed my sin to Him as my Savior, and the Holy Spirit entered in my life, all of that flushed away. And I have never felt such joy and peace in my life until that day. I didn't understand it. I just received it. And I know what I felt. And it was the work of the cross in me. This complete assurance rested over me. Even though my whole life was ahead of me, I knew I was His, and I knew that He was mine. And even in the midst of my disobedience, I knew He never let me go. He never left me. He was never going to leave me. And that is why He said, My peace I give you. The second assurance that we receive when Christ said, my peace I give you, is of his continuous presence. No matter what we face in this world, no matter what trial or tribulation, no matter what anxiety that comes upon us, no matter what tragedy you face, nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. Not even your own disobedience. In John chapter 17, we are shown something very precious. We're shown how the Lord prayed Himself, but also the assurance of His eternal possession. He, he says in John chapter 17, 12, this is the Lord praying before the disciples to the Father. While I was with them, that meaning the disciples, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and none of them have been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. This was Jesus' prayer for the disciples. Now imagine how they felt when they heard this. He wasn't just praying a sentiment of, Lord, please help Tim, or Lord, please help Elroy, or Lord, please keep Justin. He was praying not only what had transpired, but what will transpire in the fact that his disciples, the disciples God gave them, rest in the palm of God's hand. And everything that has happened to them prior and everything that will happen to them in the future is under the mighty hand and sovereign control of God. Imagine how they felt. Hey, he's praying about us and how we were guarded and that he, we were never let go. This is the Lord praying. Did you know he prayed the same thing for you in that same exact prayer? Later in John chapter 17, he prays this. I do not ask for these only, 
but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's you. That's me. Jesus prayed the same assurance for us. And did you know that he still intercedes on your behalf? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28 reminds us of that. He's praying for you now. You rest in the palm of God's hand, in the sovereign control of the Father. Nothing happens to you without His permission. And we all know what Scripture says. He works out good for those who love Him. We know what James chapter 1 says, that we're going to go through trials and tribulations, although we won't enjoy them, and then we never ask for them. But there's a reason. For it purifies our faith, gives us a steadfast spirit, and develops a deep trust and love with the Lord. Then Jesus goes on to say, in the middle of verse 27, this peace that he's talking about, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, he goes on to say, now this is not, of, not as the world gives, do I give you. And I believe it was Evan that said that. My mind is getting sharper because I've been praying about it. Jesus is making a distinction here between the expectations people had on him and what the prophets were saying versus the reality of his coming. From the very beginning, Jesus' arrival was the hope of restoration of David's kingdom. In Matthew's gospel, within chapter 2, we see the wise men. You've seen the story. You read the story. The two wise men, they go to Herod, and what do they ask? Where is he who was born king of the Jews? They knew. They knew what the prophet said. They knew the timing. They followed the star. They knew what was going on. And we all know what Herod did. He was, in, he was threatened by that. He was intimidated by that. And he took actions to thwart it. The Jews were waiting for the Messiah to come, to save them from Roman occupation and to reestablish the kingdom. Jesus himself, during his ministry, had to leave abruptly because they were going to force him to take on the kingship. They were going to mandate it. And Jesus says, that's not why I've come. And so he had to escape before they did that. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus? The two disciples that Jesus started to walk with and talk with and revealed scripture to them? What their statement was? Have you not heard what happened in Jerusalem? The one that came, we hoped that he would be the redeemer of Israel. You see, even the disciples thought Jesus was going to come and put a, produce an earthly kingdom. So Jesus is making a distinction and that that is not why he was coming. In fact, Jesus himself said this. This is a hard saying of Jesus, by the way. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, that sounds like a contradiction. Is Jesus contradicting himself when he says, my peace I, I leave you, my peace I give you, and when he says this? No, it's not. Because the peace Jesus is speaking of is a spiritual peace. Not a world absent of turmoil. 
Not a world absent of violence. He said to set against. That's a key to understand what he's saying here. He's speaking about those who will place their faith in him and those who will be in conflict with it. We see it today in the church. Some families have people that are saved. Others are not. And it creates conflict. It creates conflict in my own family. I remember my mom, you might have heard the story, my mom told my wife, I wasn't in the conversation, I was somewhere else. She says, why did Tim have to leave our church and go find another Jesus? Wasn't our Jesus good enough? Same Jesus, mom. But there's conflict. I've seen it in families where someone comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, puts their faith in them, and begins to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and the work of sanctification, and yet the rest of their family don't understand what that person's doing. And then there's conflict. That's what Jesus is talking about here. So then the question is, how does the world provide peace? Want the short answer? It can't. It can't provide peace. In the specific context of the verse that we're studying, it describes how people in the world attempt to find peace with the things of this world. I think Tyson said this this morning. Possessions, property, wealth. People think they can find peace in that stuff. Oh, you probably can for a short period of time until it's gone. If I had more money, I would have less stress because then I could pay all my bills. If I had a new home, I would have peace because the one I have is inadequate or not new enough. My retirement portfolio, that's really in here, Tyson. It's not enough for me to live on for how I want to live my retirement. You know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the fruits of your labor. Ecclesiastes 5.18 says that we are to enjoy the fruits of our labor and the work that we do. But we get in trouble when we start thinking these things actually bring us peace. Like I said, they may bring you temporal peace, but if you want to find out where your true peace is, when those things depart and you don't have money, you don't have a job, you can't pay your mortgage, Yes, it's natural to feel the anxiety of that situation. But where do you go for your peace then? To the bank or to Christ? We know what's in the world. There's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's how the world runs. In fact, it says it's not from the Father, but that is from the world. That's how the world operates. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. I recently had a conversation with somebody about this. And in studying Philippians 4, as I did, the Lord gave me this statement. I have a book in my office with statements that I write down. Like, oh, oh, Swindoll said that, or Spurgeon said that, or Ron said that, or whatever. And the Lord gave me this one. Never view life through the lens of materialism, but through the lens of contentment. 
For if you view it through materialism, you will always be in want. But if you view it through the lens of contentment, you will always be blessed. In the broader context, so that's the specific context of what Jesus is saying as to how the world finds peace. The broader context of how the world finds peace is through governments, policing, laws, moral teachings, right? Making sure that we have peaceful societies. And when war flares up over in Africa or Europe or Asia or wherever, the UN Council on Peace goes in there and says, we need to send in UN peacekeepers. So the world desires peace. 